Today in Science from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Here's today's spoken edition of Wired. Salvia leads chemists on a psychedelic existential journey by Matt Simon. On August 2nd, synthetic organic chemist Ryan Shenvey stood before 300 people at the Natural Products and Bioactive Compounds Conference and told them something he knew was sacrilegious. He'd synthesized salvinorin A, the active ingredient in the wildly intense hallucinogen salvia, and he hadn't just copied a molecule, as synthetic organic chemists are wont to do. He had subtly changed its molecular structure, as synthetic organic chemists are not wont to do. The whole field is built upon the idea that structure is sacrosanct, Shenby says. You don't change it. It's like original sin. Not only did Shenvey show off his synthesis, but he urged the field to question the holy doctrine of one-for-one -one reproduction. Nervous, Shenvey finished his talk and opened up for Q&A, expecting punishment for his sins. But punishment did not come. I wanted to get a cup of coffee in, but I couldn't, he says. The questions ran into the next talk. People at least were interested in it, and I wasn't being shouted down, so I saw that as a positive sign. Shenby then bounced from one synthetic organic chemistry heresy to another, realizing he'd presented unpublished findings to a room full of chemists who might not steal his ideas exactly, but at least take inspiration from them. He decided he needed to publish and quick. Science is about precedence, after all. But scientific publishing is not quick. Getting a paper published is a slow, methodical process that takes months, a year, maybe. So, a colleague at the Scripps Research Institute suggested something called Chem Archive, spelled Chem, C-H-E-M-R-X-I-V, but pronounced Chem Archive, a new so-called preprint server where chemists upload papers before submitting to traditional journals. There's no peer review involved, so you can publish science much quicker. Two weeks after his talk, Shenvey uploaded I must get the same high that Trump gets when he tweets something, he says. It's a thrill. Less than 24 hours later, the paper appeared online. Physicists have been using the Archive preprint server for a while, and biologists have BioArchive. Do you detect naming convention? But synthetic organic chemists are new to this process. 
And here comes Shenvi and his sacrilegious ideas about molecular structure, bypassing a traditional journal, at least initially, for a non-peer-reviewed archive that anyone can access. Which has implications for perhaps one day taming salvinorin to create pain therapies, and for how chemists do and publish their science. The times in synthetic organic chemistry, they are a changin'. If a drug requires a chaperone, Salvia is a hallucinogen like no other. While the trip is brief, typically no more than a half hour, the ride is singularly intense. Like realizing you don't have a body kind of intense. While LSD may induce euphoria, salvia tends toward dysphoria, which isn't fun. People who use salvia are actually recommended to employ a sitter, a friend who sits there and makes sure they don't do anything unconventional. Salvia is a hallucinogen, like no other, in part because it works like no other. Other psychedelics fit into a range of opioid receptors, which come in flavors like mu and delta, all slightly different shapes. Salvia overwhelmingly prefers the kappa opioid receptor. That makes it a potential non-addictive alternative to opiates, especially if chemists can modify it to get rid of the dysphoria. But it hasn't been easy to capitalize on salvia's specificity, because its active ingredient, salvinorin A, is a complicated molecule that's difficult for chemists to efficiently synthesize. Chemists synthesize many, many molecules in the lab. Menthol, for instance, is found naturally in mint, but synthetically produced on a very large scale for all our toothpastes and gum. But what Shevney did was fundamentally different. He didn't just reproduce a molecule. We didn't make salvinorin A, says Shenby. We made it better. Synthesizing a molecule is a grind. A chemist will begin by mixing chemical A with chemical B to get compound C and a bunch of other stuff besides. There's usually a lot of other byproducts in there. It's a mess, says chemist Dirk Troner, who was not involved in the paper. And out of this mess, you have to purify the one compound you have been aiming for. Take the right steps in the right order, and you end up with, say, menthol without the mint plant. The goal of synthetic chemistry, then, is to create a certain molecule in as few steps as possible. It's all about efficiency. But salvinorin A is chemically unstable, and it doesn't survive very long in the human body. So if chemists are going to make it medically useful, they can't just copy it in the lab. People get caught up on, well, you didn't actually make the naturally occurring compound, says Shenvey. One colleague actually told him as much. Really, though, why not just make a close analog of a molecule as Shenby did? I think it's an important step forward in the whole field of natural product chemistry and natural product-related chemistry because we're all wondering where is this field going, says Troner. The sheer recreation of natural products is probably not the way to go. So how is this synthesis better exactly? Think of the salvinorin molecule like a mattress with two umbrellas representing groups of carbon atoms sticking out of it. When that mattress bends, the umbrellas smack against each other, straightening the structure. In their synthetic process, Shenby and his colleagues got rid of one of the umbrellas, significantly stabilizing the molecule. And fortunately, the deletion of one of the umbrellas didn't really reduce salvinorin's structural complexity. It still overwhelmingly prefers the kappa opioid receptor. It was really easy to make, but it was still very specific, says Shenby. 
Sure enough, the synthesized molecule bound to human kappa receptors with nearly the same affinity as the regular salvinorin A, and when his team gave both the synthesized molecule and regular salvinorin A to mice, they scratched less when itched, meaning the synthesized molecule could still ease pain like the real stuff. Tripping through reprint So Shenby and his team pulled off a weird synthesis of a weird molecule. Then to establish precedent, they upped the weirdness by uploading to Chem Archive, where the chemistry community went bananas over it. As of this story's publication, the paper has the most views on the site, 8,600, almost twice as many as the second most read. Then, a wrinkle. Two weeks after he uploaded his paper, another team working with Salvinor and A submitted their own related paper, another synthesis, to the journal Organic Letters. Shenvies didn't officially publish in a traditional journal, the Open Access ACS Central Science, until December 13th. They submitted it after hours. It was published before hours, says Shenby, but the paper didn't cite the preprint. Now, I don't know if it was right or wrong, he says. I don't think it was against the rules. The rules are still being written. Repeated requests for comment to the corresponding author of the paper were not returned. This sort of thing, though, isn't unique to preprint. That can happen without a preprint server, says Paul Weiss, editor-in-chief of the American Chemical Society's journal Nano. We get angry authors writing to us all the time saying so-and-so didn't cite my paper. This particular case is presenting an interesting conundrum for the community right now, says Donna Blackman, Shenvey's Scripps Research Institute colleague who suggested he go preprint. We're still struggling with the use of these preprint servers. It's a debate that has played out in other fields over the last few years. With traditional journals, the lengthy peer review process makes for a lot of waiting around. Preprint puts speed over that safeguard. Chem Archive vets uploaded studies for potential ethical problems, but it's not rigorously edited or peer-reviewed, which makes some scientists uncomfortable. That and traditional journals like exclusivity. A paper might not drop with a bang if it's been available publicly on a preprint server for a month. The Journal of the American Chemical Society, for instance, says it won't accept papers that have already appeared in preprint. Really, though, preprint isn't meant to be a replacement for traditional journals. It's a tool for scientists to get their findings out quick while they work to get themselves into a big-name journal. There's precedent here from Weiss's journal Nano because it deals in physics as well as chemistry, so it's accustomed to Archive, which has been around for 25 years now. I think because we already had that experience of working in fields where Archive was alive and thriving, Weiss says, maybe it's been easier for us to digest than some other journals in the field that have this tradition of, you know, we're going to see it first or we're not going to publish it. Preprint has already transformed scientific publishing. Now, chemistry preprint has a hell of a trip ahead of it. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.